we are going to be flying through a little bit of information this morning. So let's go ahead and, and get started. I just want to highlight a few themes that I see woven throughout the book of 2 Corinthians. And I want you to keep these themes in mind throughout our study. Whenever you open the book, remember that this is 1 Corinthians continued. Many of you did the study of 1 Corinthians with us last fall. So just be reminded that Paul is the spiritual father of this struggling church. He's, he's addressing these new Christians as his difficult children, okay? And all throughout, he is reflecting the heart of God the Father. Um, he's pleading with them out of love. Um, we know that the city of Corinth was a very worldly city. And we found in 1 Corinthians that the church there, many of the people were not only immature in their faith, but they were just living like all the other Corinthians in Corinth. Okay? They were frequenting the pagan temples and allowing divisions with, within their church body. They criticized Paul because he wasn't what they wanted him to be. They wanted him to be like the orators and philosophers of the day and to be seeking popularity. That was not Paul's way. Here in 2 Corinthians, you're going to see Paul addressing a lot of these things once again. It seems they haven't changed much. Um, we find also in 2 Corinthians that they are frustrated with Paul because he's a lowly tent maker. <laughs> they want to elevate Paul's status by paying him and calling him their patron. You see, patronage was a key practice in their culture social system. And Paul is just trying to teach them throughout the book that there is a whole new way of life that Jesus offers to them. He's saying you need to leave behind your worldly ways. Leave behind your pursuit of wealth and social status and power and immorality. Let Jesus work and turn your world upside down. One commentator says that what Paul attempts in this letter is a theological program of re-enculturation. Okay? In chapters 3 to 6, we're going to see that Paul highlights the wonder of newness, um, the newness of life in Christ. And he prioritizes inner transformation through the power of the Spirit rather than being concerned with everything that's happening on the outside. In chapters 10 to 13, as Kelly mentioned last week, Paul emphasizes the priority of weakness, which in the Christian's life becomes the very strength of God. Yes, it's a radically different way of life that Paul is calling them to, he's calling us to, to um, as the Lord speak to, speaks to us through 2 Corinthians today. And then the, the third theme that I want you to see Paul is having to defend himself, right? He's been rejected and criticized by this church. And so it may seem to you at times that he's trying to defend himself, but always remember that he is defending Christ and upholding Christ and defending the gospel. And at the same time, he is also seeking reconciliation with all of the people in the Corinthian church, no matter how they've treated him. He is really embodying love throughout the whole book. In the section that we're going to look at today, 
2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 11. You're welcome to open your Bibles there. We're going to be staying put there throughout our whole time this morning. This is this really power-packed section where Paul teaches about God's provision of encouragement in the midst of suffering. Tim Keller says this about suffering. He says, Christianity teaches that suffering is meaningful. There is a purpose to it. And if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God and into more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. It's kind of an, a unique perspective on suffering compared to how, what the world and the culture tells us about suffering, that we should avoid it at all costs. So let's read together the first section here, verses 3 to 7 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Can you tell that the word comforted is it's here a lot? Yes. It will continue to be. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. I just want to mention that the plural here, when Paul is using our, much of the time he's saying we and our, he's talking about him and his fellow workers, him and Timothy most likely, but just want to get that out of the way. So he begins by praising God for the encouragement that he brings in the midst of suffering. He says, blessed be our God, God of compassion and encouragement. So Paul begins this difficult letter to a difficult church in a difficult season of his ministry by praising God. Bless means worthy of praise. He says, worthy of praise is our God. And he blesses the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, who suffered and now reigns as Lord of all, is the one that we can look to when we suffer. And God's people must always remember that just as Jesus suffered and was resurrected and then ascended on high, that his people follow him in that path. It's a path of suffering that leads to resurrection. We, we participate in that. So we're finding this word comfort used 10 times in this passage. It is formed by two root words. One means from close beside. The other means to call. So you put them together. They combine to mean the act of emboldening another in belief or course of action. Or I like this simple one. Com to comfort means to stand. 
stand strong with someone. It's giving encouragement, help, exhortation. This comfort is not about easing someone's pain, but it's about fortifying their heart and their mind. Do you believe this, ladies? Paul is saying here that God himself comes alongside his children personally. He comes close and he calls to you. He's cheering you on. It's this picture that our God is a, is a father who's a great encourager. David Garland puts it this way. You have this in your notes. God's comfort strengthens weak knees and sustains sagging spirits so that one faces the troubles of life with unbending resolve and unending assurance. We must see here that Paul is modeling the proper response to suffering. Paul blesses God for the encouragement he provides in the midst of suffering rather than asking him to alleviate the suffering. One commentator puts it this way. Throughout this passage, you must see that the emphasis is on the encouragement, not on the suffering. How many times have I read through this passage and I've always just focused on the suffering? It's a whole new way to look at these, what Paul is trying to say here. So we find that Paul's suffering enables him to draw on the encouragement that he has received from God and pass it on to others, some of those being in the Corinthians. His experience of suffering can work to deepen his connections with the Corinthians. And as I mentioned before, the theme, one of the themes we're going to see woven throughout, he is seeking reconciliation. He is seeking, seeking to strengthen their relationship with him. He is their apostle. He wants to lead them, and he wants them to be united in their hearts as in, in Christian ministry. We have to notice, too, that Paul celebrates the God of all comfort at the end of verse 3. Our God is a God who is always going about the business of encouraging his children. His cheerleading never stops. <coughs> And he gives all kinds of comfort, exactly what is needed in each situation. We know that throughout his ministry, Paul faced continual hardship. He has experienced God's encouragement. And it has enabled him to be courageous, to continue to stand for the gospel in the midst of persecution and danger. He's saying, I've experienced it. God has provided just what I've needed in each of these challenging situations. And he is saying to the Corinthians, he will do the same for you. And it comes to us as well. God meets us with his encouragement in the midst of the unique things that we suffer. If you don't remember anything that I say today, will you remember that picture? That whatever your heart is breaking over this morning, that God is 
coming close alongside you, seeking to encourage you and cheer you on, to strengthen you. He's saying, oh, honey, don't let this overcome you. Don't let it make you take a break and sit down on the sidelines. Keep on serving me. Keep on upholding the gospel. Keep on trusting me. And would we be the ones that would have the faith to bless him in the midst of our afflictions? We find that the word affliction actually means inner distress that comes from troubles in your life or in your ministry. The word literally means pressure. It's internal pressure that makes you feel confined or without options. God meets us in our affliction and provides encouragement necessary to keep us strong. And we must cling to this powerful truth. When God's children experience great suffering, God provides great encouragement. Our author in our study guide put it this way this week. Suffering never flows apart from God's comfort. I was able to find a picture online. The story that she shared about how the Amazon River begins where two rivers meet. And the water is very different in each of these rivers and they have different colors. So you can see there. This picture, we remember this picture when you experience suffering. That God's encouragement, his comfort always flows right along with that suffering. We also find here that suffering is not just about us. Paul says... I've received encouragement from God, and that has enabled me to encourage others. Through suffering, his heart has has become more tender and compassionate. He's able to identify with others in their affliction. And Paul doesn't let his suffering be wasted. He doesn't keep the encouragement God gives him to himself. He doesn't go hole up at home, (laughs) like I would have the tendency to do. He keeps on going, and he lets God's encouragement, what he's received, flow through him to others. So can we remember that truth when we're suffering? It's another reminder. Lo and behold, it's not all about me. It's an opportunity to grow in service to others in the body of Christ. We find in verse 5 that Paul shares abundantly in Christ's sufferings and comfort. My footnote in my ESV Bible paraphrases or um, gives kind of a second (laughs) um, version of this verse there very clearly in the footnotes. For as the sufferings of Christ abound for us, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Paul is saying, That in his ministry for Christ, he has experienced Christ's suffering and comfort. Isn't this amazing to see? 
Christ, who suffered the worst for us all, right? He bore our sin and shame. He took the death that we deserved and conquered it for us. That he not only does that, but he continues to walk alongside us, just as his father does, to come alongside and to identify with his own in the midst of their suffering and provide encouragement to match the suffering, just like his father does. As I mentioned, Paul is trying to reframe the way the Corinthians view their entire lives. He's saying there would be no Christian faith without suffering. Suffering is at the crux of the Christian faith. Jesus is the only truly innocent sufferer who took on their sin, their shame, their death to bring them life. They have a God who suffers. And has, as his followers, they should expect to, to participate in Christ's suffering. As his people, we should not be surprised by suffering because we serve a suffering God as well. We know that no one can join in Christ's ultimate suffering. His death as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world has been fully accomplished and completed. Yet, in some ways, we will participate in it. We see in verse 6 that if Paul experiences affliction, it is for the Corinthians' encouragement, and did you see this word? And their salvation. Have you ever thought about that when you've experienced suffering? That maybe God can draw someone to himself because they see you clinging to him and see him encouraging you and doing a transforming work in your heart in the midst of it? I was able to witness this um, recently, hearing a dad give a chapel message at a college where his son should have been here attending in the fall. His son passed away in the spring with just a freak accident. And in the midst of his grief, this father spoke and challenged those students. He said, I, his son was named Ethan, and he said, I hope God raises up a thousand Ethans because Ethan had a heart for God. He was all in. <laughs> and he challenged them to follow Ethan's example. Amazing. Paul is also trying to somehow communicate to the Corinthians as well this truth. Don't you know that your life is inseparable from mine? That if I suffer, you suffer? If you suffer, I suffer with you? If I am comforted, you are comforted and vice versa? He's saying, patiently endure, just like I do. Soak up God's encouragement. He's there with you, giving it to you. He's saying that the lives and hearts of God's children are to be bound together in suffering and comfort. He's saying, let our suffering deepen our connection, our fellowship, our koinonia. And so we see 
in verses 6 and 7. This, yes, this, this idea of sharing, the sharing of suffering and encouragement. Paul wants the Corinthians to know that as Christ's followers, they stand with him in the experience of suffering for the gospel and receiving encouragement from God. And I love how he says in verse 7, our hope for you is unshaken. Just like Lorene was talking about this morning, right? That in Hebrews 6.19, our memory verse, that God has given us hope. It's like an anchor for our souls. It's firm and secure. If you want to define hope, it means confident expectation. Paul is saying, my hope is in God. It's unshaken, firm, unwavering. And Paul is even saying to them that even after all they've been through, the difficulties they've given to him, that he still believes that they are followers of Christ and partners in ministry. Have you ever been in a situation where your hope is fading and a friend has come alongside you? said, I know that it's hard for you to hope right now, but my hope is strong and I'll hope for you. What a gift that is. May we be the ones who do that. Say, I don't know what's, what's going to happen, but I know that we can always put our hope in God. So, my questions for you here. They're on your handout. When you experience affliction, how will you trust in God as the Father of compassion, the great encourager, the redeemer of your afflictions? How will you count on Christ who is present in and working through your afflictions? Will we be the ones that know that our suffering is not just about us, that God has purpose in it to reach the people around us? And how do you seek the fellowship or the sharing of suffering and encouragement in your church community? I'm, I'm convicted by this because I think I'm tempted when I struggle to draw back. And I'm thinking maybe Brene Brown is getting it right. There's power in vulnerability, right? when we're real with one another. And I can say, you know, I'm struggling here. My heart is broken here. Somebody can come along and say, me too, right? And we can be drawn closer together and cling to the Lord together. These last few verses here. Paul's deliverance in verses 8 to 11. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. 
He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul now expresses his gratitude to, to God for a recent experience of deliverance, and it was a life-threatening situation. It seems as if the Corinthians may know about this recent hardship, but they were unaware of its severity. So Paul's saying, don't take this lightly, <laughs> what happened to him in Timothy in Asia. Um, it seems as if commentators are not really sure about what specific situation it was, so we have to let it be. But we trust that most likely it was maybe that he was imprisoned and, and um, threatened with a sentence of death, or was, it was some sort of severe persecution. But it must have been something big, because we know Paul continually faced lots of trouble throughout his ministry, and he's very clear here in saying that he was overwhelmed. It was a burden that he, he could not bear. Um, it was an extraordinarily difficult situation. They, he and Timothy thought they were going to die. And he's saying that he could not have withstood it if God were not with him. And verse 9, once again, we see that there's purpose in affliction. And the purpose he expresses here, it was that he and Timothy might completely abandon self-reliance and place all of their trust in God, who alone has the power to raise the dead. He says, this brush with death occurred so that we might not trust in ourselves. He said it was good because they got to the end of themselves. They realized that in that situation, there was nothing they could do to, to save themselves. And it was definitely a call for them to, to completely depend on God and to be reminded that he is the God who has resurrection power. And I think, wow, in my day-to-day -day life, do I remember that the Holy Spirit gives each and every one of us that resurrection power. And may we not have to be in a life-threatening situation where we learn to depend upon it. Lord, help us to live in that resurrection power in our day-to-day -day lives. We see the climax of these verses here. In verse, in verse 10 and 11, Paul declares that God delivered him from this, the biggest affliction he's ever faced, this, um, this life-threatening situation. And here the word deliver means rescue from danger, save. And so we see once again that Paul is saying the affliction that he has experienced in his ministry has been matched by God's help. Sometimes God provided encouragement, and sometimes he provides deliverance. But no matter what, Paul is sure that God, who has the power to raise the dead, the great deliverer, is always worthy of his hope. And then he concludes in verse 11 by asking the Corinthians to pray for him. He's saying, please be my prayer partners. I'm recruiting you. <laughs> He's asking them to align themselves with his ministry once again after they've 
been criticizing him. He's saying you get to join in in God's work when you join in prayer for me and my fellow workers. And Paul's desire is that many would raise their faces to God in thanks. And so Paul begins and ends this passage of scripture with blessing God, with offering praise and thanksgiving to him. And I think this is a challenge to us that even in the midst of our suffering, that we are to keep blessing God all along. And so I close with these questions. How can you place all of your trust in God and not depend upon yourself? And how do you put your hope in God and know him as the God of resurrection power and deliverance? Not just in the difficult times, but in the daily living. I want to conclude with this quote from Tim Keller. Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that could really destroy you. That is being cast away from God. He took it so that now all suffering that comes into your life will only make you great. And I would add to that that it's not just about you, but so that you could Share that encouragement and that hope with the people around you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm amazed, just amazed at how tender your heart is towards each one of us, that you come alongside and that, Jesus, you join in as well. That that river of encouragement and comfort and strength is always flowing in the midst of our suffering. Lord, may we live in this reality. May we abide in you. And, Lord, would that encouragement and hope that we receive from you flow through us to others. And may we allow the suffering we experience to deepen our connections with other people in the body. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.